probate weekly our thursday afternoon um 4 p.m um, pacific time 7 p.m eastern time we get together and learn about how to get more probate this is for brand new investors wholesalers realtors real estate professionals and whether you're new to probate or starting out and looking at how to get started or experience when to share ideas best practices and how we can make it work and how we can make it work so i'm going to start today with just a little bit of the content in my premise as a premise as started me doing this started me doing this uh was a little frustration a little companies that sell probate data and marketing services really only focus on one of two ways to get business they teach you either to either to they sell you the data and they call the mail or market to petitioners, to petitioners, ministers of state, or market directly to attorneys for business. What's wrong with either one of those? wrong with either one of those? They're not probably the best for most people. Most importantly, they're not the fastest way to get your first deal, particularly for an agent either starting out or even experienced agent. There's a reason to start that you have to spend, say, business. A business and have that time. You may not have that time. So I, I made a so list, I, I made 11, a list of 11 different ways to generate, generate a sale a in probate, sale real, in estate. probate real estate. But in addition, but to, in that, addition to that, in addition to the ideas in of, the ideas of um, how to get a sale to get a sale as a real estate agent, real estate or, agent or salesperson in, uh, probate in, uh, probate real estate. I've also created, I've also created 11 ways, ways that you can make money. Important. And this is very important. That you need to think of yourself, you think as, of a yourself as a business now, person. Now, if you're looking just to change jobs, it will stay a commission for you. This isn't for you. This isn't for you. This is for somebody who looks at their business like it's a business. And so if you run a business, if you run a business, I don't necessarily think so I think you have to multiple have streams of income, multiple streams of income. But I do think you should, look, do at think you should look at synergistic, synergistic and opportunistic, and opportunistic multiple sources of income. Multiple sources that of income. sounds like a lot. That sounds like all that. a lot. Bill, that's all that. That's all that. What that means? Let me get, that mean, let me get my picture out of there. What that means? There's a better video. What that means is that you should look for opportunities that that will make you better. One plus one is three. I'm a real estate broker. If I can help investors buy probate real estate, that later they fix and flip and I list, one plus one is three. You follow me on that? Um, so, and, and also I would say that if you help buyers buy probate real estate, you end up generating probate listings as a business. So one plus one can equal three. If you get the concept, say yes. If you don't, say no, put it in the chat box. Yes, or sir. raise your thumbs up or thumbs down or verbally. But give me some feedback. Do you guys get the concept of what I mean by synergistic? So I got some thumbs up there. Okay. And by the way, if yes, you sir. are on live with us on uh, YouTube or on Facebook, you'll be able to get the um, um, uh, chat. We'll see it here as well. So feel free to put your information, your uh, answer in the chat box live. And I'll try to watch for those. Okay, so that's synergistic. Then there's opportunistic. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying you should start a whole new business venture on these other things. I'm saying that if you're a real estate agent doing your job, looking for people who want to buy and or sell property on a daily basis, then it makes sense that you will find people, you'll find opportunities of properties to buy and sell and make a profit on fixing and flipping them or uh, fixing them up and holding them. Does that make sense? That's called opportunistic. I was on the phone yes. today with an agent. 
I don't see him on the call, he might be here, where he does his nine to five real estate is commercial, but he was looking to do some probate residential business on the side or as it came up. And, and the one thing I always tell people is why is not your nine to five also your wealth building business? They should be together. And I got into real estate initially to learn how to be a great investor to make money that way, right? So that's what I mean by opportunistic and synergistic. So I'm gonna share my screen here real quick and show you guys what I think are 11 ways that I believe you can make money, not seven, 11 ways to make a real estate sale, but seven ways that you can make money in real estate uh, handling this kind of business. Now, again, just because we're on the screen up here, I don't, want, I don't want you to feel that we're not uh, interactive. So if you have questions, I want you guys to jump in with questions either in the chat box or uh, the live uh, stream, okay? So the first thing I would say to you is that mindset comes before money. Whoa, we got some people that are making some noise here. Let's see if we can mute people. Uh, Just one of these bags. <laughs> okay, we're gonna mute people, uh, and then we'll allow you to unmute yourself. Okay, you guys can hear me still. Yes. Okay. So, yeah, you guys can hear me. I think so. Yes, yes we can hear you. Got it. So mindset comes from money. I want you to get the mindset you're a business person, and we get the mindset that all of this should work together. Nobody's saying sell houses and then become an investor and then wholesale, and then do loans or whatever else you do. I'm saying you should be doing it synergistically or one supports the other aspect of your business. And you should be doing it in a way that you're generating leads by your business for the other lines of work. Um, I also say though, that you have to invest time or money in any business to be successful. Real estate is a contact business and a numbers game. And it's important where you come from. If your goal here is to help a customer, I'm gonna show you different ways you can help your customers. What I don't want you to do is find ways to fleece your customer from eight different angles, if you, if you understand what I mean by that. So let's talk about, let's skip some of this, 11 ways to make money in probate. Not just selling, because number one would be invest, find a good property and buy it and hold the property, right? Most of us got into real estate to accumulate property. And so you should be looking. Now, if you're an investor, you might say to me, you know, where are some good real estate deals for me to buy as an investor? And I'd say to you, well, probate might be a way to go. But if you're in probate and every day you're calling petitioners, ex uh, executors, administrators, attorneys, or you're mailing to them or whatever you do, and there's a good property, have your head open to look to buy it and, and buy it and hold. If you don't know how to do that, learn. Find somebody who can help you learn that business. But that's one additional stream of income you should be pursuing. A second one's flipping property. This is one that I do. I don't like holding property. I probably flip two or three a year. Now I have to disclose everything properly. So when I meet a principal, I'll say to them, I'll buy this property from you. I'm an investor. I'm not gonna represent you. And there's a car form that they sign saying, I'm not representing them. I might find a principal as a buyer to, to work with on the transaction as well, but I'm not gonna represent a seller and buy his property with the intention of reselling it for profit. That makes no sense at all, right? Any questions so far? Does this make sense? Makes sense to me. Okay, good. You're all muted, but can I mute yourself? I'll let you do that. So number three is do construction. One of my good colleagues, Paul Krause, he has Remodeling Tuesdays, I think noon uh, Tuesdays. He's in the South Bay. 
He's a contractor and he does the same lead generation to either buy and sell property as an agent or to get construction jobs because that's his area of expertise. He meets a seller and he can tell them what's going to cost to fix the property up and what it can get for it on the market when they when the when it's done. So I would only say do this if you're a contractor or you're related to a contractor or you have a partner who's a contractor. You can get paid marketing dollars to bring business to contractors. Number four is wholesale. Now, wholesale is not flipping. Wholesaling is get a deal under contract and sell it to somebody else. Difficult to do if you're an agent. You have to really be precise because you have a license. And if you approach the customer initially as an agent, you might have uh, responsibilities to that client to get them top dollar. But if the, if the client knows you're going to flip the property, you do it and or assigns up front, you tell them up front that's what you're going to do, you get them an execution they couldn't get on their own, that's serving the customer. So it can be done. There's the right way to do it and the wrong way to do it. Number five, you can lend money to an estate. Now, this can be a little tricky. There's people who do that. And I would say, if you want to get into it, find somebody who does it, watch them do it once or twice, learn the process, and then you can partner with them or do it on your own. But you can lend money to estates and make a great rate of return uh, if you know the business and know what you can do and what you can't do. You can advance money to the estate. That's a different business. Lending is... We're lending you $50,000 and you're paying us fees and interest either monthly or accumulates and you pay it to close of escrow. An advance is the estate has money coming to it, theoretically, and, and they might be getting three, dollars $400,000. They might need ten dollars or $20,000 up front long before they're going to settle the estate. They might need that money to pay the mortgage, taxes, fix the property up. They may just want some cash. If somebody's due $800,000 a year from now, they might be willing to advance ten dollars or $20,000. Now, the rates on that, it's like a payday loan. They're going to pay, if they're going to borrow $10,000, they are going to pay back fifteen dollars or twenty. dollars But they're going to avoid penalties, and they're going to avoid losing the property. They're going to avoid stress and pain and struggling. Maybe they need the money to hire an attorney, without which they'll lose the, the estate. So these are all things that they have to think about. But I would say uh, it's a great business. I created my own. There's a company that I've used and referred business to, and they pay a commission. My problem was I referred a couple to them and they declined the customer. And again, I'm not just doing the advance. I'm also trying to get a commission. So I can't let the customer be declined. I had to find them another advanced company and I found another one. And so I actually opened my own company. So if you have a client who's an heir to a property who wants to advance $10,000 or more of their money upfront, literally within a week, they can sign papers and get that money within a week. Um, yeah, that's a good point. That is a good point. Um, okay, got somebody there. Okay, I'm gonna have to, um, yeah, okay, I'm sorry. Okay, uh, yes, Pamela, I don't think I can, but that's a good point. I'm sorry about that. Okay, so advancing money to the state is another option. By the heir's interest in the estate, that's another option I've seen done, right? Where the, the um, um, just one second. The, where the heirs uh, have a house they don't care about. And you, and literally I've had investors say, we'll buy your interest in this property. We'll give you X amount of cash now. We'll give you X amount of month to, to cooperate with us through the, through the process. 
And then um, at the end, they get paid a bonus or some sort or somebody left over. So definitely that's another option that can be done. Buying the heirs estate in the estate. Now, another one is real estate services during the uh, process and after. Sometimes they get a property and they need to property manage it. That can be a source for you to get property management business or they need a residential mortgage loan. They're gonna get money from their estate and they're gonna go buy another house. It's gonna generate business for you that way. Legal related, legal related services. So if you're gonna to market to petitioners, you might consider a document prep service or a paralegal service where you're servicing people who are going through probate. They need help with their paperwork. Uh, I know a service I recommend people to, I know some people refer that service and charge an extra hundred or $200 and make money doing that. Well, it's not a lot of money, but if you do five or 10 a month, obviously that can add money to your, to your marketing budget. And number 11 is financial services. People coming into a large chunk of money need some help. What should they do with it? Consulting, advice, getting their tax returns done. So a couple, another, some whole world of options that you might consider marketing with somebody, or if you do these businesses, you can do them as well. And number 11 is become the administrator. And I know somebody on my team who does this for a living. She's a fiduciary, professional fiduciary, where estates have maybe multiple parties or there's no party who can do the job administering the state. It takes time and effort. My wife and I've managed both our parents, uh, all four parents, I guess you would say, and recently lost my aunt. My sister is the administrator of the state. It's a lot of work. You can do that job and get paid hourly. The court will have to approve that amount. So it has to be reasonable based on the services that you do and subject to approval and it's capped. But on a million dollar state, that could equal up to $23,000 or more for bigger state. So I tell people sometimes if it's that much work, you should be charging for your time. If you're not doing your normal work and you're making a hundred bucks an hour, you can charge and get the court to approve a hundred dollars an hour while you do the administrator work on an estate. And there are, there are people who would hire you to do the work as the administrator. As long as the heirs are okay with it, as long as the beneficiary is okay, you can be a professional administrator and get paid. Again, it has to be proved by the court. Uh, but if you can document what you get paid, what your hourly rate is, if you're a CPA or you're a, you do other consulting work, you have an hourly rate that you charge, certainly you can get paid that to administer the estate while you're also, and, and administer the estate sometimes allows you to also sell the property or do financial consulting, other things as well. So again, just to recap, there's 11 different businesses in addition to just selling houses. We didn't cover that one. You can invest the property and hold it. You can flip property for profit. You can do construction work, like uh, uh, general construction work, because uh, many of the, most probate houses are older and need work. You can wholesale the property. You can lend money to the state as a lender, uh, a mortgage of some sort secured by the property or secured by the assets. You can advance to, not this state, this is actually wrong, it's advance to the heirs, any heir, doesn't have to be the leading one, the administrator, any heir who has money coming, theoretically can get a percentage of that advance to them. And so you can do that business. You can buy out the heirs interest in that state. If they have a house and they don't be bothered with it, it's just too much work for them. And you can give them cash up front and they can sell their rights to that. Real estate services, property management, loans, buying other properties, and they're gonna get a 
chunk of money. I had a client who bought a chunk of money, got a chunk of money, and they wanted to buy some income producing real estate with the money they had afterwards. Legal related services, paralegal, doc prep, financial services, consulting, advice, and tax returns. And the last become the administrator. Now, they, I'll, I can add a couple. I've made money this year as a, um, as a expert witness. I got hired by an attorney to testify on a case he has. That's, that's number 12, maybe. Kind of a rare opportunity. Anybody else think of any other ways you can make money while you're doing your probate business? Or anybody make any money in other ways that I haven't identified? Was, did I give anybody any ideas on how you can make a little bit more money? Anybody at all? No? If so, put yes in the chat box or give me a thumbs up. If this was in any yeah, way, these are good ideas. Yeah, and I think the ways that you can offset the cost of your marketing, right? You don't have to, uh, it doesn't have to be a money losing uh, venture. Uh, it can be something where you're doing these things for the purpose of making some money. Let me get myself out of the screen and get out of the share. And we're off. Okay. So the idea here is if is to be opportunistic and think about how can you make money in your business and think of it as a business and set up your marketing to feed that business. Right. Okay. So I covered a lot of good ideas. Thank you, Sharice. Uh, any of these out, out to lunch ideas? No? Okay. Any questions or comments on those ideas? I went through pretty quickly, but my goal here is to make you think like a business person. You know, too often real estate people, it's like it becomes our job. Our job becomes selling houses or wholesaling or investing. And we end up in a nine to five job, but we don't end up building wealth because we didn't take first off mentally the right approach. We're building a business. And I can tell you this, I'm building, I'm building a business. I'm building an empire. Love to have you be part of it. You are part of it. If you're on the call today, you're, you're part of my empire. You're part of my business. <laughs> Thank you. I got I a quick wait. question. Can you expound more on the becoming the administrator, uh, I guess, for the estate and getting paid by the court? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, who has the right to file a probate? Answer is... Anybody can file probate, different people have priority. So without going through all the legal ease, spouse would have first priority, children and parents would have higher priority than somebody else. And then, you know, it could be cousins, it could be a creditor. So if nobody's selling the house, a creditor like a mortgage company can file a pro petition to probate and appoint themselves as the administrator of the estate. And they have to follow all the rules and regulations. Well, they may not want to do it themselves, so they might want to ask somebody else to be the administrator of the estate. So what happens is you might find an estate where there's four or five siblings, none of them want to do it. Most commonly, they'll hire an attorney. If the attorney is the administrator, then they can and often charge both to be the administrator and the attorney. And in fact, you've doubled your attorney's fees, right? Double dipping. Double dipping. So, um, and, and I think that double dipping is fine if you're doing twice the work and giving your customer twice or more value. Double dipping is not fine if you don't explain to your customer 
or you're not giving them more value for your job. If all you're doing is the same thing you would do as an attorney, you know, no extra work, why would you charge extra? Well, sometimes they'll say, well, we need somebody to do these certain administrative things. You know, they don't, they don't want their administrator in the office or the paralegal to do it. So sometimes they'll hire a third party. Sometimes there's two siblings fighting. They both want to be the petitioner. Neither one wants the other to do it. They'll agree to an independent third party. That independent third party could be a friend, a family member, could be an attorney, could be a professional fiduciary who does that for a living. And the people who market themselves, particularly on bigger cases, but on smaller cases, you could be the fiduciary. And you could say, you know, I'm the fiduciary and normally I would charge the same fees allowed by law, but I waive them if I end up selling the property as a real estate agent, or I cut them in half if I end up being the real estate agent to give them incentive to use you. So you can charge whatever you want to charge up to the legal amounts. On a million dollar state, that's $23,000 and it scales up and down from there. So you can charge what you want to charge as long as the parties agree and the judge approves you as the administrator. But you have to pass that test and, and it's not common for individuals to do it. Normally people who want to have a background or a CPA or they have a law license, they could be a real estate broker, maybe with property management experience, right? But you want to put a resume together and file the proper motion and document why the court should accept you as the administrator of this estate. Does that help a little bit, William? Uh, yes, sir. Um, but what is the, the certain duties for the administrator? It's well, they're basically the same, going down to the court. Well, the administrator's duties are the administrator's duties, whether it's a third party or a son or daughter, it's the same, right? So you know what the duties are of an administrator basically, don't you? Um, basically find out the debtors or the people that uh, the decedent owes, mm -hmm. uh, work out um, a split between the heirs, I would guess, mm -hmm. and uh, settle any other uh, assets uh, the decedent might have, and maybe even uh, set up an agent to sell the property if uh, that's what they want to do, or or an investor to fix it up or something like that, I'm assuming. Yeah, I mean, there's more than that. And there's actually a form called uh, the duties of the administrator that gets filed with the court that you have to sign. And you might wanna read up on the responsibilities of filing a, a, a probate. There's different books on the subject, but basically that's it. You're no different than any other petitioner. They don't know when they file on their own, but if, you, if you're gonna help your cousin or your friend or your uncle do it, you're entitled to get paid for it. And as long as you can justify the, the rate to the judge, uh, you'll get paid for it. Um, Narita is that asked a me, certification or anything? I'm sorry. I don't that. know if there is a certification for fiduciaries. I know there's an association of professional fiduciaries. I don't know if there is a certification specifically for that, but I do know there's um, associations. I also know that many of the people who are professionals are CPAs or attorneys. And again, if this is the case where there's a lot of real estate involved. It might be appropriate to have a realtor do a lot of the work, a lot of the prep work, what's the property worth and getting the documents together and those kinds of things. Calling the mortgage companies to get the statements and property profiles. That would make you an expert in a qualified fiduciary for that type of an estate, right? So it depends. Um, Narita asked, do you need credentials to be an administrator like a license or certification? Well, no. 
you don't need one legally to, to be appointed, but the judge has to agree to appoint you. So it's not thin that a third party administrator is not an attorney, that's the most common one, or a family member, that's the second most common one. So if you're gonna ask the judge to approve you, you better have a good reason why you're capable of doing the job. And in your petition, you should include, I think, understanding what the job is and, and your resume as to how you can um, uh, do it. But there are people who do it, it's not magic, it's the people who put that time in and create those resumes. And of course, once you do one, now you've done a second one, you get a testimonial, you attach that, you do two, three, four, next thing you know, you have a whole business. Um, okay, Sean asked me, I have a probate client asked me, what's better tax benefit in either selling the property in probate to the state and giving the proceeds to the heirs or giving the house deed from probate, then selling the property, which I believe will trigger short-term capital gains. I think you're right. Um, that's a question for an accountant, but you know, many people who are gonna get the property in probate get it up at a stepped up basis with no, uh, with no tax ramifications. But if you get, if the property is given, uh, uh, sold to you by the estate, then you're gonna trigger at, at a minimum uh, capital gains to the day that you, you know, uh, the estate got it. But I would say you, there's a number of other issues. Also, it's about um, reassessment and the, and the laws there changed this year in California because California doesn't have enough laws and enough changes, enough chaos. We changed our laws on assessing property between heirs this year. And so there's certain reasons why passing it in probate um, is, is not the same benefit it used to be. And there's other reasons why it is. So I would say to you, that's a very complicated question you should talk to an attorney on that case about or a CPA. In fact, I have a CPA with the, the firm that I use, um, Robert Hall Associates, who's gonna be speaking here in a few weeks um, on uh, uh, about three weeks actually, on these topics, talk about taxes and things like that. But to answer your question, that's a very specific, the answer to that question is specific to that estate and they should get some specific professional advice. Does that help, Sean? Is that a fair enough yeah, answer? Yeah, it does. Yeah, thanks for the, uh, thanks for the, the input. I'm in Maryland, um, so I'll definitely talk to someone uh, in my state. Um, but uh, I have another question in regards to the 11 ways um, uh -huh. to form a business in probate. And this, these are all great. My question is, how do you protect your financial interests when you are advancing money to the heirs or the estate or you're, you're, you know, you're, you're buying the heir's interests? What paperwork is needed and what needs to be filed to the court to protect your financial interests? You know, uh, I know the answer in California, uh, and I would say to you, uh, I, I can figure out how to get the answer in Maryland. The way you find it in Maryland is I would search public records where the lender has the word in, in it, advance and or inheritance. And if you have a title rep, Sean, are you an investor? Are you a real estate agent? What do you do? I am um, a couple of things. I'm an investor, I'm a licensed agent, and I just got my Maryland Home Improvement License. So these okay. 11 are really giving me some great ideas. Well, if you're a real estate agent, uh, you may know a title rep who can get you public records of mortgages issued in the last year with the words advance and or inheritance in it. And you'll find those companies who've done that and the document and the, and the case they've done it on. Um, the other thing is in probate cases, again, I don't know Maryland, in California, uh, when you look at a case in the parties, it will often list uh, interested parties. And you'll see different companies with the words advance and or inheritance in it. 
And so now that you know they're on that case, you go in the case file and look for the document they filed that has their how they protect their interest, and you can copy that document. You follow awesome. me? Yep, that's a great, great, great idea. Thank you. Yeah, that's how I came across that. Reverse engineering. Reverse engineering, exactly. Doesn't mean it's going to work and be foolproof. You might want to show an attorney. You know, I think also Sean and, and William both. What a nice topic to have for an attorney friend as a way to help build a relationship is is show them this and maybe you pay them for an hour or two of their time to review it and say, is this going to work? You know, I would get the form in your state but get their feedback if they think that's going to work or not. And uh, because that's, that's could be some really good business. Um, and then Nurit actually added another business. It's true. Notary services. There are people who are notaries. I think particularly in the Latin community, the word notario has a particularly prestigious title to it, more so than in English. I don't really know why. It's a, it seems to be a cultural thing. I think notaries in certain Latin American countries, it's a more rigorous, criteria maybe than it is in California, but definitely, you know, notarizing, notarizing documents, uh, there's no reason why. Now, keep in mind, you can't notarize documents when you're party to the transaction. So if you're the realtor, you can't notarize the grant deed or those kinds of things. But certainly, there's some documents that have to get notarized along the way that you can make some money on. Um, Sean, happy Thursday. Thank you. And my uh, here's a question. What's my recommendation to get property management accounts for probate properties? So Alex, are you saying how, how would you use probate marketing to develop property management business? Is that your question? So it's in the chat box. So Alex is asking about property management, how you develop more business. So the first thing I always say to every, any salesperson, whether you're a real estate agent or a wholesaler who wants more business, is first start with what you have. And so how would you get more property management for probate? The first thing I would do is make sure my current clients know that I'm you know, learning about probate, that I'm involved with a probate business because they may know somebody who has a probate estate that needs property management and may have not have thought of you and that can trigger some business. I'd always start with that, right? Second, I would definitely market to attorneys that if you have property that needs to be managed um, larger estates often have multiple properties and need the services of a professional pro uh, property manager. So I would definitely market to attorneys that you have that kind of service. Again, starting with attorneys you already know and already have a relationship with. Okay, hope that helps. Alex, give me a, some of the chat box if it doesn't, if you need some more. Notorio in Spanish means attorney. Yeah, well, but there's also the word abogado, no? But I think you're, I think notario implies attorney in the Latin in Spanish, but there's a, we would use the word I think here abogado is an attorney, correct? Right? Who speaks Spanish here? Is on my what's the word for for a lawyer in Spanish? I'm better at eating tacos and drinking margaritas than I am actually. Abogado. Abogado. It's an attorney. But again, in, in American, I think we think of that as attorney, but I believe notario in the Latin world also means it's like lawyer or the equivalent of kind of like an attorney, whereas in English, it doesn't have that, that same impression. So, yeah. Okay, so Alex, good, that helps. Thank you, but no. Um, Abogado Spanish, yes, good. So my Spanish is a little better. My Spanish from high school is a little better than I thought it was. Notarizing has been extremely lucrative. Pamela says, I notarize for title companies and lenders. You know. 
Pamela, I think that notarizing is a great business. And if you can leverage that, now, of course, you have to follow the rules of the title companies you work with and lenders you work with, but you're meeting people at a very intimate time. And if you work that properly and build a relationship with them, you know, they're refinancing now, but they're going to sell in a year or two. And they're, you know, they're buying a house now, but they're going to sell in five years. And I think it's really important, you know, for a notary, you have a great opportunity to network. If you're not going to do real estate yourself, to network with realtors or lenders and parlay one notary appointment into several uh, and or higher commission rates. So I would definitely love to talk to you about how to do that. And Pamela, with state, you're also a realtor. There you go. So, uh, uh, and I would say just do a better, do a better job. Uh, Brent would have last night. It's very nice. So, you know, I, I had a, a guy interviewed on this a call about a year ago who was a notary, also a realtor, friend of mine. And, um, but I would say uh, that generally speaking, we, none of us do a good enough job keeping in touch with the current clients. And I would urge you, uh, Pamela, and all of us on this call to do a better job of contacting people we know and do business with so you can turn that business into future business. Studying for my M, uh, MLO. So I'll say this, um, Pamela. Pamela says that she's studying for her mortgage uh, license as well as realtor. I used to have an MLO. I used to be a, a lender before I was a realtor, and then I did some sales. I realized that I could not do both real estate sales and mortgages at a really high level. I could do them both above average. But I'd say in today's market, if you do business above average, your pay is going to suck. That's the technical term. The only way to make good money is to be great at something, to be the best at something. Yeah. And so I just urge you to think about if you're going to get your MLO, just make sure it makes you a better notary or better realtor or the other to make you better MLO and, and make one your primary and make sure that it makes you better at that one. Because um, being a jack of all trades, I just meet so many people who have the you know MLO, real estate, uh, notary, insurance license, and two th other things. They're selling solar, but they're not making money at any of them. And so I encourage you to really try to focus in and being a specialist and create more value for your customer that way. Okay. Hey, I've done all the talking, I think, today uh, so far, or most of it. Who's got a question? So that's why I have to, to talk about. I have some other questions, but before going to any more questions, who has a problem or, that's on the live call that I can help with? Anybody? Raise your hand, put it in the chat box, or just unmute yourself and jump in here. Let's make it interactive. I, I have a question. This is Sean again. Uh -huh. So I have another client. Um, they've lived in the house since 1970. Um, her uncle and aunt owned the property. They both died um, probably back in the 1970s. Um, now they're in a situation where um, they owe taxes. And so it's, the house is up for tax sale, but they never went through the, the probate process. So no one's on the deed. Everyone that was on the deed has passed away. Um, and there are some heirs um that has interest in the property but it's never gone through the probate process uh, I, I don't know really at this point you know how to to guide them because you know they're up in age and typically um when you have the type of situation you have to put out a bond which requires a certain credit score and i think they have challenges in all those areas and sure we can help in that regard sure and so they're in maryland uh, this is actually in Washington, D.C. Washington, D.C. So I, I know even less about Washington, D.C. probate than I do Maryland. I know a little bit about Maryland. Um, but here's what I would do. Um, let me back up. If they sold the property, are they going to use you as the realtor? 
Um, well, either me as a realtor to sell it or me as an investor, they are interested, you know, they, they're willing to entertain me purchasing the property as well. What do you want to do? Um, you know, whatever is the win-win-win situation, I'm, I'm prepared to do either. Um, you know, to buy it as an investor or to, you know, to list it as an agent. So, I mean, it's a tough, it's a tough, tough walk to go both ways. And, um, but, but here's what I would do. Um, they're going to have to probate it. I believe, I don't know the laws in Washington DC at all, but what I do know is is a great resource. You can go to easy probate.com. Okay. And they have a basic package of 650 for probate, 1250 for concierge level. I recommend that. You can start the case for 120 bucks. Wow. And what I would do is uh, I really hold the customer's hand through this because typically they're not able to do it on their own. They really need some help. Any family member can file probate. It just might be that another family member might say, hey, I want to be the petitioner and, and file a competing petition if there's such a thing in Washington, D.C. I don't know. Easy probate will know for sure. And I think more importantly, um, um, you get the process started, some people jump in, uh, but the, it's a much cheaper way to get the job done than hiring an attorney. For $120, they're gonna know the answer pretty quick. And with easy probate, will they also do the advertisements in the paper as well? Do they do everything so, that's required? So they'll uh, tell you what's required but normally the, the paper you have to pay for separately. So in LA, uh, they'll, they'll tell me, well, here's the vendor you have to go to, or you can go to that will do it. The vendor knows what to do. They take the case and they'll prep it and show it to you to look at, uh, and then um, you prove it and then they, they run the advertisements from there if required. So they'll work together. They, they'll make that happen. You don't need to have any real expertise on what it should look like. They'll get it kind of all set up for you. Uh, and then you just have to pay for it. Okay, thank you for that. Sure. Great. Other questions, challenges, problems? I have a question. Uh-huh. Uh, I like my pro, uh, uh, prospecting questions of probate, but uh, I ran across um, um, a petitioner in my um probate prospecting uh his father passed and um uh it was just uh him and his sister as the heirs of the property well uh the beginning of this year she passed away now he has an issue with her husband and the kids the three kids so but um when i talked to him I said, hey, well, I could look at the property, do a BPO if you need it. You know, uh, the, the probate is, is started last year sometime in October. So it's almost a year. Uh, so he originally told me that the court appraisal was like 600. That's why I offered the BPO. But once I talked to him, oh, he was like, oh, it was, it was like uh 400 and we ag agreed on uh $200,000 to take care of him. So my question is uh how can he since he doesn't own the property it's in his father's name and he has limited authority how does that work? I told him he most likely have to speak to his attorney to see uh how 
that, you know, if he has somebody to work that out for him, but I'll do some investigation on my own as well. So, so how much equity is in the property? Uh, it's, uh, uh, since, since it's in kind of, you know, bad shape, uh, if he sold, sold it as is, it's probably around about 450, 475. It's in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, but if he fixed it up, it'll probably be like uh, 600,000 and it's, it's paid off. Okay. And so how much money does he need? Uh, immediately to 200,000 to pay off the um the heirs the husband well the husband to his sister that passed he said he said yeah if you you pay me $200,000 you know I'll you know it'll take care of me and the kids okay so and then but your client wants to keep the property or he wants to sell the property no he wants to keep it okay so he so he can purchase the property in the probate, right? If he's limited authority, it needs court approval. And what would happen is he's gonna get a loan, if it's 450, he's gonna pay them 200,000, he's gonna get a loan for 250 or the 200 plus closing costs. Mm. Uh, and the loan would be, um, would be a regular conventional loan or FHA or whatever kind of loan because at the at the end of the probate, the property is sold. He owns the property, mm-hmm. right? So um, uh, that would just be a regular transaction. They can get paid off through the, the probate process. So since he's the administrator and executor, uh, he would have to ask the court uh, for him to sell the property to himself and get approval for $200,000 to pay, you know, to sell it for to himself. Correct. And the f- proceeds goes to the heirs. Is that correct? Well, and, and so without knowing the details of the case, the proceeds, he, he may not be able to have all the money go out to the heirs because the judge is going to make sure there's no other debt. So if the case is a year old, usually there's not as much outstanding debt that's going to pop up. The judge might be more agreeable. If he has a bond, also that would cover any potential creditors and heirs as well. But generally speaking, yeah, that's how it would work. He buy the property at the close of escrow, he owns it, and the the heirs get the fund. The funds come to escrow is the loan, and those that money then goes out to the heirs. So yeah, definitely that can be done through while he's still in probate. Okay, so that's the only way he can do that, or is that just one of many ways for him to settle the heirs? I'm sure there's many ways you can sell the heirs. What, what, what else? What's why does that not meet your goal? What else do you need? What else is need done? No, I was just wondering if there's more than just one way of like selling it or transferring his name and then get an equity line of credit to pay them. Or well, he can do that. The problem is he can't do that without because that's taking all the equity of the state. If there's money in the state, he can set aside the cash to pay them off their share, and he can have the property deeded to him. But if all there is in the estate is just the house, there's no other money, there's no other way to do it other than that way. Oh, okay, okay. Okay. Um, Chris F. Oh yeah, hey, um, uh, Sean, you might wanna get with Chris F. in the chat box. Chris F. is also from Washington DC market area and knows probably, you know, we're talking earlier today 
Um, and so you guys should, uh, Sean, I think we have a couple of Sean's on the call, but Sean with no last name identified. And uh, Chris F, you guys should exchange contact info offline and, uh, and get together. Okay, thank you, William. Any other questions, comments, challenges, problems we can help with today? We've got a few minutes. I have a question from the chat, but you guys were on live. Anybody else have a question I can help you with? Always give priority to the people on the, on the uh, call live. Anybody? No, not seeing any. Okay. So I got a question from a colleague of mine, JJ Engberg. And he asked the question, what does certified probate expert or similar title mean? What does it mean when somebody says they're a certified probate expert or other titles? So I'll tell you what I think it means. I think it means you, you went to a course and yet of course the company allows you to call yourself that title. And um, I, I, it concerns me when I hear people say, well, I'm a certified probate expert. I took a class. And I'll say, yeah, well, you know, I took the same class. It was, you know, three hours or it was, there's a more involved class I took that was uh, uh, four days for about four or five hours a day. But still, that doesn't even count as one class in college or high school in terms of hours. And when you call yourself an expert in a technical area like, like uh, probate, I think you have to be a little careful as to what your claim is. And so to me, it means just what it is. It's, you can call it whatever you want. But I think more important than getting a certification, more important than that is you learning the skills and learning the business. Because not only will that make you more effective for your client and yourself and being successful with your business, but that will give you the confidence to speak to people with authority. If you ask about probate, most things I'm going to speak with authority, not because I have four or five little logos. And I only showed the first one I got. I'm probably made too lazy to add the other ones or just don't, not that vain. But my point is, I believe when I talk about probate, I sound authoritative because I know what I'm talking about. And that's what you want to have as an agent. So don't settle for the little PNG file in your email saying you're an expert. Be the expert. Learn the material. Go to court. Read the books, watch YouTube's, listen to podcasts, become an expert, come on this call weekly, share some challenges, problems, share solutions. To me, that's more valuable than any course is ever going to give you a little picture for your email. Um, and then another question I got from Abraham Santana uh, last week I couldn't get to was how do you know how many cases an attorney does per year? So what I can tell you is I downloaded every uh, probate case throughout the last three years. In LA, in LA County only. Um, I subscribed to several services and I download them and I merge them together. And I did some data analytics. And one of the things I learned was 95% of the cases are done by attorneys who do one case per year or less. About 800 a month in, Cal in uh, Los Angeles County, about 9,000 probate cases a year. And of all those 9,000, about 500 are done by a series of attorneys and the rest are all done by people who do one deal or less. So how can you do anything well if you do it once a year or less? And so the problem is, I think, yes, attorneys are generally smart people, but their license like ours as realtors is very broad. They can do with that license, divorce work and drunk driving and criminal work and civil work and 
wills and probate and bankruptcies, but doesn't mean that they know all of those things. Generally, the ones that are really good only do one. I happen to have a neighbor who's one of the top divorce attorney litigators in California, in Los Angeles. She has some a very high profile, I don't know who I'm allowed to talk about, but some very high profile celebrity clients. But all she does is divorce litigation. Meaning if husband and wife are getting along and want to have a, a, an amiable separation, she's not the right person for that. That's just not her personality. It's not that she wouldn't like to see them get along, but her business is when you and your husband decide you're going to war legally, you hire her. Similarly, I would say with attorneys and probate, good attorneys who do nothing but probate, probate administration, maybe probate litigation are great. But the ones who primarily do other things, in my experience, make a lot of mistakes in the probate and affects the client and costs them time and money. And I have thousands of examples of that I've seen personally by being in court. So I can say that with authority. And I, I don't mean to beat up on anybody. I, I, I would say the attorney for their bit sake, they should specialize too and be better at one thing rather than trying to do a lot of things. I say it with compassion. I say it in a way to try encourage them to raise the bar. So to answer your question, how do, I, how do you know, how would a client know how many cases they have? Well, me as a probate expert, I have the data. And that's one of the things I offer my clients is to know how many cases that attorney's done. Now, I also subscribe to a great service, probatemoney.com, probatemoney.com. And probate money is a service that was devised by um, attorney, well, I should say, it was, it was inspired by an attorney, Paul Horn, probably the most prolific attorney in Los Angeles County. Uh, I've seen him in action. Uh, some attorneys don't like him, and part of that is because uh, he can be tough. But I can tell you that he's done, I think, more uh, probates than anybody. And he got together with a technologist, um, uh, Vlad, uh, who I actually interviewed this week in uh, YouTube. I just put the link in there if you want to see about my review and how I use that product. But one thing you can, and I don't get paid for this. In fact, if you sign up uh, through their program and use my name, Bill Gross, they'll give you 200 additional cases to download monthly. But I go in and show you how I use the software to look up a case so I can put in the name of an attorney and see how many cases they've done. And I'll show that to a client. Hey, this guy knows what he's doing. He's done five or six. Or he's only done one or two in the last three years. That's a problem. So I think as a professional, when I say I'm an expert, to me that means I know things like how many cases attorneys have done in my county or the counties that I service. That's one of the things that, you, that they expect my clients can expect from me. Was that helpful? Definitely. You can, I'm not yes. selling the program, but I'm selling you on getting the tools to do the job, to be great at it, to make a fortune, and be great at it to service your customers and help families keep wealth in their family. It just kills me to see, uh, you know, we, we talk about people struggling and poor people knocking a fair shake and with all the tension we have amongst races, go to court sometime. You want to see heartbreaking, watch families hiring attorneys. Like It's like a, a, a cockfight. I've never been to one, but I've seen them on movies and stuff where the, where the roosters like fight each other. You almost feel in probate court like the attorneys turning the family members into a fighting gamecocks. It's just pathetic. And rather than do that, my job is to try to get the right people for the job 
so the family can get the best outcome, keep the wealth that their grandparents worked so hard for, keeping the family to build on to make our country better rather than torn apart. Okay, I'm a little on the soapbox on that one, so forgive me. I can go on on that one forever. Um, but I'm here to help. So we're going to wrap up here today. I'm Bill Gross. I'm the LAProbateExpert.com. We do this every Thursday at 4 p.m. Pacific time, 7 p.m. Eastern time. If you signed up, you'll get a link to the YouTube, uh, and you can watch the replay. You'll get reminders every week. If you sign up through Eventbrite, you'll get reminders every week of the call. Love to have you. All of this is on YouTube, and it's also being podcasted. We just uh, got onto Spotify. We're getting added onto iTunes and Google here later this week. So I really appreciate all your support. If you get the, the video, if you like it, please like it. If you like and want to get more, subscribe. I'm doing an interview series. I continue to interview uh, key people in our industry. And if you subscribe, you'll also get notified when we do either uh, off-the-cuff live events or when we do this weekly one as well. So thank you so much. Also, anybody who comments... Bill, uh, I, I have a quick question. Well, let me just finish one thing. Anybody comments, I think I respond to your comments. So feel free to put comments into the YouTube or you say oh, no, I just wanted to know whether or not uh, somebody, if they don't know an attorney, a good uh, probate attorney, uh, do you ever do any referring of a, an attorney or give a, a couple of names that we can use or choose yes. from? I think almost every day, uh, Marcy, I get people okay. who text or call me with that question. And I, the right answer is always specific to that case. I really... When people say, do you know a good probate attorney? I know a lot of good ones. I know a lot of bad ones. But let's find out what your case is. And I will also say that two-thirds of the time, or three-quarters, rather than starting with an attorney, I'd recommend a service. If it's just a plain probate, one beneficiary, what appears to be a simple process, or everybody's on board, they can save a lot of money by going to a service. If there's multiple beneficiaries and some problems, that's where you need an attorney. You need the right attorney. So definitely... If you have those cases, call me, text me, email me. I don't get a referral fee from the attorneys. I'll help you get the best outcome for your client, okay? Super quick question. Sure. Um, can you, um, you, you know a lot of real estate agents in the probate uh, field. Uh, is it possible maybe uh, uh, have a success call on interviewing a, a probate agent that's uh, having success prospecting and closing deals. So that way we can like um, copy what they're doing so we can be successful. You know, I've thought about that. I mean, I've been interviewed and then I see other people that do interviews. Now, one of the challenges to that kind of series uh, is that sometimes people are successful, but what they're doing to be successful isn't duplicatable, right? And so the important thing is, is there somebody doing something that you can do and add to your business? Some people, it's just their personality. Some people, they had a, like the top probate attorney, a, a top probate realtor in LA started a career as a paralegal and knew a lot of these attorneys from the inside. Well, unless you have that same relationship, you probably can't get to that same spot. But definitely, I, I, I have that in mind. I have a list of different things to add to my channel, interviewing top attorney, uh, uh, probate uh, realtors is one. I'll also say this, William, if you have a success you want to talk about, come on the call, let's talk about it and record that snippet. And I'll give you that snippet in, in a, it'll be on my, on my social media. You can use it on yours as well. But if you know anybody that you think is appropriate for me to interview, I'd love to interview people. That's something I'm doing all the time now. Thank you very okay. much. My pleasure, right. man.
That's any of you. If you if want to be interviewed, you think you're appropriate, reach out to me. Thank you, everybody, for participating. Uh, William, as always. Sean, thanks for being on. Marcy, great seeing you again. Uh, Wesley Harris, I see you there. Thank you. Sean from, I think, Maryland. Thank you. Uh, and everybody, appreciate your support today. William Holmes, always a pleasure. You guys have a great, Janice, have a great week. If I can help you, call me, text me, email.